Welcome to the Turnaround Mindset Podcast with your hosts, behavioral economist and psychologist Phil Slade and successful business leader and accountant Adam Smith. In these unprecedented times, decisive and fearless leadership is critical to any business transformation. Each week, our hosts will unpack the tough and intimate questions we all face as professionals, offering no-nonsense business advice to those bold enough to think and act differently. Now, here are your hosts, Phil and Adam. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today at The Turnaround Mindset. The topic for today's episode is how do I keep my staff from leaving my business? And then we'll finish with the top eight ways to ensure people will want to stay with your business long term. Look, this is a hugely relevant topic for businesses of any size at the moment. You know, the, the world we, we used to know, it's changed forever. Mm. There is no new normal when it comes to work arrangements anymore. Yeah, I know. And, and a year ago, you were seen as some sort of pioneer employee if you allowed people to work from home, you know, balance family life, etc. Now, at least here in Australia, and I think in most countries around the world, it's just what's expected. And it's only taken 12 months to fundamentally shift Perceptions. I actually think it's shifted because it's moved from employees wanting to do it uh, to managers having to manage from home and realize, actually, this is pretty good. So now the managers want to do it. And that's that's been the real shift. Look, in some cases, Phil, I've seen businesses that have already made the executive decision to fund the setup costs associated for all employees to set up their own home offices. So they see, they see real value in what's, uh, what comes from people working from home. You know, combine that with the fact that all meetings are taking place over the internet now, whether it's on Zoom or MS Teams or Google, you know, there just isn't as much physical contact for meetings or catch-ups anymore between employees and employers. And look, at the same time, you know, this can also mean that businesses are no longer needing to maintain a permanent commercial office. Mm. It's really interesting even to see the rise of of, uh, community libraries as work hubs. Uh, A lot of people are getting into their their libraries and particularly when you've got a mix of people working remotely and in the same office, the question becomes how do you create an equity of engagement when then there is an inequity of in-person contact? You know, you've got some people that, that will be sitting next to the manager five days a week and other people that are dialing into a meeting three or four times a day. How do you, how do you not preference the person that's sitting right next to you, you know? But it's not just when people physically leave the company that is a problem. It's also when people mentally leave the company uh, and often remain on the payroll just doing enough not to get fired. Mm. They really know how to play the system. And neither of these situations is obviously great for the organisation. Fortunately, and this is going to sound really weird to some, we are currently on the footsteps of multiple global economic, social and climate crises. Mm, mm. Look, you know, one of my favourite quotes, Phil, is never waste a good crisis. (laughs) You know, this new work environment really gives businesses and employees a real opportunity to remove redundancy from what they do and obviously the the supply chain, how they could conduct their business. Um, You know, look, we're talking from their jobs, uh, and how to focus on enhancing those aspects of the organization that they really do well. Yeah, look, the best outcome in this new world is to keep your workers in meaningful and personally rewarding pursuits so they don't leave, right? But before we delve into how we retain our people, we need to look at what causes people to leave in the first place. Firstly, not keeping employees informed leads to disengagement. This actually feels to the employee like a type of ostracism. Uh, And people, when they feel ostracized from the group, 
feel unsafe and insecure. Mm, mm. Look, look, another one as well is lack of recognition. You know, Phil, I'm, I'm all about equality in the workplace, but look, at the end of the day when we're talking about performance, not all staff perform at the same level. You know, some produce more and others produce less results. You look, and if the business doesn't take the time to recognise and reward outstanding performance, it keeps everybody equal. And as a result of that, people feel frustrated and they decide to leave. You know, and also another situation is where you put a really high-performing employee with an underperforming team. <laughs> uh, eventually, over time, the frustration levels increase and they may start to look around for a new job. Yeah, that's a big one. And look, another big one I think is, is when particularly high-performing employees hit a glass ceiling. If there is no forward progress with their career, people become demotivated and generally start to explore new op- employment opportunities. Mm. They actually have a term for the feeling... Uh, of, you know, it doesn't matter what I do, I simply have no way of getting ahead, so why do I even try? (laughs) It's called learned helplessness. People learn that effort is wasted, which leads to a kind of uh, depression that inevitably leads to looking elsewhere in order to escape this feeling of defeatedness. Mm. People, particularly high performers, just are allergic to this feeling of defeatedness where they they can't get ahead. Look, another reason I've actually seen that people have actually left organisations, especially top-performing employees, is where there's no clear vision in place, Mm. right? And as a result of that, you know, with this no clear goals, no clear vision, people have trouble buying in, you know? Mm. They're just saying, what what are we doing here? What's the point? Exactly. And, you know, from my side of things as well, I've always worked with companies that have had a really clear vision. You know, it becomes very easy if they talk the talk and walk the walk. You know, mm-hmm. if everything that they do within the organization is aligned with the vision, it becomes very clear about what you're doing, where you're heading, and how you contribute. Mm, and it's really easy with no vision that a company. Uh, can be seen to be falling behind its competitors, right? They become laggards rather than industry leaders because they've got no vision that they're working towards. People have got no measure for which to track what the success actually is. Look, another way, Phil, if the business isn't able to keep up with the technological advancements as well as that better ways of delivering services within the industry that they operate, those businesses get left behind. Mm -hmm. If the business isn't cutting edge, people start to question whether they want to be part of an organisation who no longer has the means to keep up with where the industry is going. Yeah, people love being part of something glamorous. You know, Absolutely. They, they want to be proud of where they work. They really do. Even if they joke about not loving where they work, they still want to be proud of it. They don't want to be going to a barbecue and feeling embarrassed or ashamed of where they work or having to excuse where they work when they're having a, a conversations with each other. Um, if they're ashamed of the company, they're unlikely to stay. And look, I know this one is a, a pet peeve for you. Uh, <laughs> I the, think the I know where you're going me, here. And, and we've seen this a couple of times come up, especially in our careers, is too many unnecessary policies. It becomes a real problem. Oh, my God. Nothing triggers me like overly bureaucratic policies and procedures. Like literally, if you want to see my ape get triggered, just put a stupid bureaucratic policy in front of me and I will just go ape shit. <laughs> Look, you know, having policies or rules just for the sake of it, 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 it will piss people off, you know. There's mm-hmm. no getting around it. There's no other way of saying it mm. either. I as people. 
<laughs> and also, look, if there's no flexibility around certain policies within the business, you know, say working from home, for example, now is obviously a very relevant topic. You know, people grow frustrated and they start to question how long are they going to put up with this in the workplace? And this often leads to conflict with management, particularly if either the worker or the, like the employee or the employer are more bureaucratic or more policy-driven than the, than the other. Mm. Um, and so often when employees leave, you know, the, the light does go to the manager. You know, you ask yourself, do they have the right people skills? Have they been managing the person or have they been managing the position, you know? Mm. Um, but particularly, uh, and we, we can be unfair to managers here, often, you know, subject matter experts are promoted up into the industry and they just don't have the leadership skills yet yeah. to, to be able to manage people. They're, they're used to delivering services very well and they get rewarded by being promoted and then they fail, you know, yeah. and people go, oh, well, you you're promoted to your, your point of incompetence, you know, and I think that's sometimes really unfair because they just haven't had the chance to to learn yet. Well, they always say, you know, when good employees leave, take a good look at the management. So that's probably a good segue, Phil, into another reason why employees leave organisations, and that's a lack of training and onboarding. You know, if you don't do it right up front with your new employees, you know, what chance do you have of actually having them stick around long term? If you don't invest up front with the training and actually make sure that people don't feel isolated, they're not left alone to their own devices, so to speak, especially in that early phase where they're getting to know a company, you're getting to know them as well. You've got to make sure that there's a really rigorous training and onboarding process in place. Off the top of my head, there's, there's, Maybe two that I'm thinking about of the hundreds of companies that I've worked with. Very, 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 very few companies do this really well. Mm. And look, Phil, added to this, I'm actually amazed, and this is one that I've seen happen a few times in my career, that there's a number of companies out there that don't have a retention strategy in place to retain key staff. Mm-hmm. They don't even have a list of people that they can afford to lose. They don't, even, they don't know who they're trying to keep. No, they don't. And it's crazy. And for me, it's essential to know where your staff risk is the greatest and how you plan to minimize that risk. So, Phil, we've talked plenty about why employees leave a business. What can we do to keep our employees from leaving. Yeah, this is the fun bit, right? So we're, 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 we're not looking at the negative things. Let's turn around and, and look at what we can do. What are the positive things? So let's get into it. The number one, and I think this is so important, is learn how to be transparent. Mm. Be upfront about the road ahead, how the business is performing financially. What people want is honesty and transparency and keeping home truths at the heart of all their communications. This really helps uh, create not just a sense of uh, teamwork with their team, but a connection to the company mm. and the purpose. Um, you know, encouraging that open atmosphere. I know Ray Dalio. Uh, Ray Dalio, you know, founded the most successful hedge fund in the world, and he wrote a great book called Principles. and And in it, he talks about just how important and how difficult it is to create a true culture of transparency. Mm. It's hard. People are scared of transparency. And some people use information as political leverage. So they see transparency or being transparency as a threat to their power of how they got to their situation, right? So there's going to be resistance in, in creating a transparent culture. Transparency stops petty politics and actually empowers people to focus on the things that matter. Mm. And that is so important. Okay, so secondly, be clear about the company's vision and mission. I know we spoke about this a little earlier, but you know, if employees don't understand what the organization's mission is about, 
what is the business goals and objectives and how they as individuals can contribute to that overall vision for the company, um, they won't stay engaged. You know, you need to have a set of strong corporate values, a mission statement and specific goals uh, that can help employees see how they individually contribute uh, as part of a greater whole. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be clear and precise about how you communicate those goals and objectives, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the results that are being generated around those goals are only as strong as the objectives you set. Absolutely. And it's important that people at all levels of the organization understand really clearly how living the company's values changes what they do every day. It's got to have a tangible practical feel to it although just dismiss it as rhetoric um as as a as a, as a nice thing that they need to to prattle off at, a, at key meetings you know being able to rattle off the values isn't enough they need to know how it changed what that changes what they do every day and they need to see how it's changes how it changes what the leaders do every day mm-hmm. using it as a as a as a way to decide which way forward to to make those trade-off decisions that we all need to make uh, using those values in a tangible practical way in a way that people can see it is so important the third really key thing to keeping your employees and making sure they don't leave is creating a culture of recognition and praise people like to be recognized for their wins um, both the introverts and extroverts and and more to the point People really hate when other people will get credit for the work that they're doing. You yes. know, like it's it's recognition and praise to the people that are doing the work that deserve the recognition and praise. Um, you know, you can allow teams to nominate one another for special recognitions, you know, particularly when it comes to innovation, creativity, hard work, teamwork, and all those sorts of things that go above and beyond just the the normal metrics of the that you're tracking and measuring. Heaps of psychological studies and industry investigations revealed that employees that receive praise and recognition regularly increase their individual productivity. Uh, they receive higher loyalty and satisfaction scores from customers and clients and, and are more likely to stay with the organization. Mm. So how regularly are we talking that you should be praising? Praise should be given to each employee every week. Uh, so it doesn't need to be hugely top down. It can be other team members. You can set up structures in order to be able to do this, so that you're not spending your entire time giving out awards. Um, but that can sound really odd to some people, particularly if you're very results focused. Because if you're very results focused, it feels like there's a low level of justice to praise somebody who's just doing their job. Like, why would I give someone a high five for, for people just doing what they should have done all along? You know, it feels unjust, and it's like no. You need to find a way, find something that you can praise them for because that will lift their performance over and above. And this is not about just recognizing where they are. This is about using praise and recognition to get employees to where they could be. Okay, so number four, Phil, uh, and this is a really important one, make employees feel like business partners, you know. It's a really important one here. If people feel like they are part of the business itself, you know, they're invested in the company. Mm. This means giving them freedom in and ownership of their work. You know, when you do, they're likely to perform at a pretty high level going forward. And what does that mean? On a day-to-day basis, you're seeking input for their ideas. Too many decisions are made in businesses these days without consulting all the necessary stakeholders that it impacts. Mm. You know, so you need to seek input. Ask for input from people around you. Mm. You know, 
your team has brilliant ideas. You just got to learn to ask them more about what they think. And, and I think what that does is that engenders trust. Like mm. they trust me, they respect what I think. It's more than just giving them shares in the company. You know, yes. that's, that's not, yeah, yes, uh, they're business partners. If, if you give them more shares and they can see that, you know, they, they, they get financial benefit from the company succeeding. But actually saying, here's the problem. How would you help solve for that problem hmm. is, is a very different way of creating partners in business. This actually leads nicely to the fifth point, which is increasing people's sense of individual responsibility. Mm, I like that. Encourage people to find their own solutions and empower them to drive change. You know, don't be afraid to stretch them with work assignments that will expand their knowledge and sharpen their skills. And then, and then, uh, reward them for actually trying to provide solutions rather than just the success of those solutions. Yep. You know, I think um, people are often scared because they go, if I, provi- if I suggest a solution and it doesn't work, you know, I'm going to be smashed, you know, rather than the, the positive benefits of, of uh, finding a solution that creates new business and, and things like that. Allow people to try solutions, fail fast, um, and celebrate the, the, the fact that they've tried something. So you're taking them people out of their comfort zones is what you're saying absolutely let them stretch themselves and and you'll be surprised how many solutions come from the the most extreme parts of the organization Mm. you know you've got a collective genius in the company that exists outside the boardroom (laughs) (laughs) you know you've got to tap that collective genius you know to to be successful i think that's an interesting point phil you know it allows your star employees to start exploring new opportunities you know they they can take control of their own development you know inside the company and encourages them you know along the way to learn something new you know Mm. you you're exposing them to a new perspective on things Mm. and psychologically they call this locus of control they've got they feel like they've got a locus of control over their own situation uh, then they're more likely to uh, feel motivated and, and stick with the organization. Numbers six and seven on our list now are, are closely linked. They are six to show respect and dignity and seven to give honest, regular feedback. Mm. You, you can't give honest, regular feedback if you don't have respect and dignity for the person that you're talking to. And if you do have respect and dignity, you will always give honest Feedback, you know, they're kind of yes. they're kind of linked. Absolutely, Phil. You know, you just can't put a program or product together and then hand the keys over to the employee and just leave the, the scene. You know, it's in your hands now. You know, as tasks grow more complex and interdependent, people need more feedback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, employees need to feel that, you know, they're heard by their managers. They need it more often than twice a year, you know. There's definitely a correlation between employee engagement and periodic feedback. Mm, and sometimes even when that when that feedback is difficult, um, you go on to the decider.co website, we've got a great list of tools there about how to have some of those difficult conversations. And it's important to invest time into learning how to do this because it really does change uh, your employee's mindset. Mm. Um, but finally, number eight, provide mentorship. Mm. You know, one study, this is fascinating, revealed that workers who help others as little as 10 to 30 minutes per day feel more capable, confident, and useful. And this is this is not some great mentorship program. This is about encouraging people to mentor each other because when they do help each other and mentor each other, they themselves feel more capable, confident, and useful. You know, they feel like they've accomplished something and therefore they can accomplish more in the future. And this is not just the people receiving the mentorship. This is also the people giving the mentorship. Now, it's important to remember, none of these tips... Uh, for retaining your staff will matter if you don't measure their success. Absolutely. So 
how do we measure the success of some of these things which are actually kind of intangible, like, you know, values and all these sorts of things. Like, how do you measure the application of values? Yeah. So, look, one of the main ones I've seen is you need to continually monitor people's job satisfaction mm. levels. I think the, point, the, the important thing there is that you're measuring a lag indicator, so an outcome, which is uh, high job satisfaction, rather than trying to count the number of times values were mentioned in a sentence or count, you're not trying to track the lead indicators. You're trying to know that the lead indicators are there and being used, but you're actually measuring the outcome that you want, right? And that's, that's the key. That's where people get tripped up. And if you've got low job satisfaction, then you're probably going to have an imp- a problem in one of these eight areas somewhere. That, that's likely what's going to be. So then you go in and figure out which one of those eight areas do I need to fix in order to improve these job satisfaction levels. And it's also important, I think, to not just rely on survey tools. You need to, to take the surveys as a, a data point, not over-emphasise uh, what they are. They are useful. They're useful as a data point. But then back it up with you know walking around is what you're seeing in the survey reflected in what you're seeing on the ground when you're walking around talking to employees um if you're if you're you're talking to key trusted leaders you know send them out to do some qualitative pieces of research you know to come back and say hey does this scratch and sniff right what's what's on the ground there you 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 will get immense value out of just taking some of those qualitative measures yourself and then mixing that with the quantitative data that a survey provides it's important to keep an eye on people's emotional and mental states as well as part of that satisfaction within their job. Mm, absolutely. And, and being able to track emotional state is one thing, but knowing how to sensitive, sensitively um, do something about it or do something about it in a sensitive way um, is also really important. Um, and often you don't deal with it at an individual level, you deal with it at a group level. You know, so it becomes, you know, it's everyone's responsibility to look after each other. It's not just top down. This is about bottom up as well. And that's how you build a culture um, of feedback and mentorship. In summary, this new post-COVID world that we're living in, it will be the organisation to understand the best and most effective ways to communicate and acknowledge people, delegate decision-making incentivize and reward staff and offer exciting and challenging work where people keep growing that will be the organizations that thrive see you next week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the turnaround mindset podcast if you liked what you heard today please head over to itunes google or spotify hit subscribe and share the podcast with someone you think would benefit from it don't forget to leave a five-star rating to download this episode and access other relevant content, please visit our website, www.theturnaroundmindset.com. Join us next week for another Turnaround Mindset episode. And remember, the only way it gets better for you is when you get better.